Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk, Tottenham sponsored by NordVPN. Joining me as ever, it's Alistair Gold. Ali, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, looking forward to getting back to Spurs football, looking hopefully forward to them getting back to, uh, how do I put this, kind of maximum power, getting back to hopefully three points because that Everton draw did feel like a bit of a defeat because of the nature of it. Um, yeah, got to rush off straight after this to Angie's press conference at Hotspur Way. And then tomorrow, yeah, back in action at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which I'm looking forward to. It should be a good game of football. That's kind of the least you get with a Brighton match. And, you know, a bit of revenge there as well, I think, for Spurs after the 4-2 defeat in December. Yeah, very much so. A uh, few things to discuss this week. Obviously, it's our second podcast of the week and yesterday morning uh Tottenham published uh, an interview with Johan Lang who'd given a bit of a transfer wrap following the transfer window that's wrap with a W, not with an R. Uh and <laughs> I, he was... say, I watched the film the other day straight out of Compton for the first time. And as soon as you said a Johan Lang transfer wrap, <laughs> it just made me think of that that whole kind of scene. I can't imagine him doing that though. Oh no. Uh so I think it was uh, about eight or nine minute interview uh, discussing yeah, nine transfer incomings, outgoings, loan players, uh, Lucas Bergval, etc. Uh, you were across that, Ali. Uh, what did you make of it? I thought he spoke well. Um, it all fitted quite nicely into what I'd been told about him by those who have worked with him over the years, that he is a quiet guy, a focused guy. He's not your showy sporting director type that kind of makes it um, all about them and you know and everyone knows their name that is big character in the game not not talking about anyone in particular of course um, but certain sporting directors out there are a little bit like that um, but for Johan Lang he's just a very quiet guy very focused gets on with his job and to be fair to him I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for this last window I think he's been quite instrumental in a lot of the things um bringing Timo Werner deal to Postacoglu, um, Lucas Bergvall. That was massively to do with Johan Lang and his efforts behind the scenes. I did an interview this week where that was mentioned as well from the Jurgarden end of things. Um, and also Radu Dragashin. He, you know, yes, it was a Fabio Paracicci former player, as many of Spurs signings in the last couple of years have been. Um, but... You know, Johan Lang went out there to Italy a number of times to watch him, uh, especially in December, just to make sure that, okay, we get it. It's a former Fabio player, but does he actually fit Postacoglu's system? Um, and he's been very good at kind of doing that, I think, and aligning himself with Postacoglu's system and strategy. And I think a lot of that came across in this interview. It was a good interview, very confident interview without being, like I say, showy or anything. Very much about the collective, which will go down very well at Spurs. It was all about we and this and what we've done. Um, and just the feeling that everything, kind of the the views are all kind of aligned as the word he kept using. You know, we've had previous transfer windows when random players have just been brought in that the manager clearly didn't want or have any need for. Stretching back to Pochettino, you know, it wasn't just like Conte got Jed Spence and Dan Juma and players like that. You know, I always remember, like, even with Pochettino, like, poor Jack Clark was one of those where you could see he was a bit like, what? <laughs> this isn't the player I asked for kind of thing. And fair play to Jack. He's gone off and, you know, had a terrific career for himself. It looks like should be back in the Premier League regardless next season. But, yeah, you just don't get the sense that 
the last two windows have been anything like that for Postacoglu. He's wanted certain players. Uh, the players that have been brought to him, he's had to vet you know, hugely and make sure they fit his system or he would have had an idea of them anyway. Um, and yeah, like he said in I can't remember if it was the, the previous press conference or the one before, nothing gets through without his approval because he has to take responsibility for it. And I think that probably releases uh, a lot of the pressure on Johan Lang as well because he can only kind of suggest players. And then if um, Postacoglu wants them, then he can go off and try and make that happen for him. I guess that's where the pressure is more than the finding of them. Um, but yeah, that was a good interview. Loads of different topics. I mean, which one's kind of leapt out at you that you spoke about? Uh, there were just some key lines, really. What he said were nice. I think Tottenham fans would have picked up on. I think one of the first ones when he was discussing uh, the transfer window had just gone, he said, we all believe we're right in the first paragraph in what hopefully will be a very successful chapter for the football club. Another thing he said, uh, on the transfer window that is not a one or two window job but the club have taken some very important steps in the past six or seven months and then that very much is the case when you look at the playing squad uh, some transformative uh, signings really in terms of Vicario, Van der Ven Madison in the summer uh, I think Timo Werner's a good addition on loan he, maybe he could become permanent in the summer then Radha Dragerson, uh, he's certainly one for the future. And I think that was a point uh, Johan Lang was keen to make out. You know, he just said, yeah, Dragerson, but he's 22. Uh, yeah. He just turned 22. So uh, there's still a lot more to come from him in the future. So I think this is one in terms of Dragerson that uh, fans maybe just need to be a bit patient with him. I mean, it does take a number of players' time to adapt to the Premier League. And the one thing the defender needs is game time. And unfortunately, that's not really been the case for him since he's been in the club. And especially when you've got someone like Mickey van der Ven who's just taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. He's not going to drop out of the team, is he? Really, when you think about it. And Christian Romero's had a really, really good season. So it might just be minutes here and there and a bit of patience required, really, from all. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of stood out to me how he made the quite right point that, um, you know, Timo Werner has got so much experience at different levels, different leagues, but also mainly the Premier League and having played it for a couple of years. Um, so the uh, adaptation period, I'm sorry, and also playing, he made a point of this in a systems that are similar or at least have got some kind of. Um, similarities to Postacoglu's system. So that's why we've seen him come in straight in and get, you know, two or three different, uh, well, two assists, technically could have been three. Um, and yeah, he, he's come straight in there and, and kind of done the job asked of him. Whereas with Dragashins coming in from a different kind of league, very young, uh, Van der Ven, like you said, come in in like a steam train. But I think we've always said this, Bundesliga probably more comparable to the Premier League in terms of pace and physicality. So it's, yeah, I think you see a lot of Bundesliga players come across and it's not a massive change for them. Uh, it's just that little step up. Whereas I think from, the, from Serie A, it's a completely different kind of league. Um, although obviously Destiny a Doggy kind of destroys that slightly, but he's just just phenomenal. Um, and um, yeah, and I think he also said similar about Lucas Bergvall as well. Obviously a different case, Lucas Bergvall, but he did say you know it's going to take him time. It's gonna he's gonna need time to adapt to the league, 
Um, and the same with Dragashin. I think that's why we're not seeing him thrown into games from the start. We're seeing this, um, I guess, almost Postacoglu trying to help him late in matches by switching to the back three that he'd been playing at Genoa as well, um, uh, making that a little bit easier for Dragashin. But no, I thought that was that was all really interesting stuff. I liked um, the stuff about the academy as well. He went into similar to what Andrew was saying about it. How yes, they're they're doing really well, and and you know they aren't. It. This is the thing that kind of makes it a little bit difficult sometimes to completely go with their line of thinking because the under twenty ones are top of their league, under eighteen is the top of their league, under eighteen's just got through to the quarterfinals of the FA Youth Cup. So it's not like these are unsuccessful teams in any way, shape, or form. But I think what they're both saying, uh, Lang and uh, Postacoglu, is that that's great, but you still need uh, a production line of players coming through to the first team. And that step up from that level of football, especially under 21s, under 18s, it's obviously further steps up, is just too big at the moment. And they need more of them to be able to kind of ease themselves into the team. And that's why they're signing players like Bergvall, uh, Vuskovic, even the likes of Dragashin and Van de Ven at that slightly older age group. Um, you know, 22 year olds, they're almost could be in that under 21 side. I mean, uh, Pat Matisar, Destiny, a doggy could play for the under 21s. So they're kind of having a buy in at that level rather than a natural progression from the under 21. So I, I get what they mean. And he also said they're going to make investment into the academy as well in the years to come, which is quite interesting. I'd like to know exactly how that presents itself whether that is more young signings like the Vuskovic's of the world or well technically he'll come in at 18 you'd think be ready for the first team or whether it's the likes of the Herbie Jameses the Will Lankshires the Judson's at Bells that have all been brought in from other clubs um, to come into the academy that that's a potential thing as well um, he spoke about players going out the club, uh, Larice Dyer, and, and like their service to the club over so long. Um, and yeah, and also picking the right loans for those players who who went out for development reasons, you know, um, like Alfie Devine and Ashley Phillips, obviously, and and their uh, and Alejo Velis as well. Really good loans for them that hopefully they'll bring them back next summer in a position to challenge for a first team spot. And as he rightly pointed out. Obviously, Sevilla is a different case because that's a terrific level of football for Valise. But the championship for you've got uh, Divine Phillips and Jaffet Tanganga, obviously, has gone to the championship as well. It's um, that next level where we, and in his words, you see every summer it produces players for the Premier League because those promoted teams have players that hadn't played Premier League football before, but they're ready for it. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. It was, it was a good interview, nine minutes or so. Um, I thought it was probably one of the better ones that we've had in recent years as well of those. Obviously, the last one, um, it wasn't the last. Did we get one after the last summer? I don't think we did, did we? Because there was no one in place. Uh, no, I don't think Would have been so. Would been, maybe. Talking about it. Yeah, it would have been last January when there was one yeah. from uh, Fabio. <laughs> that was horrendous. <laughs> that was the worst time. It was like the next day he got banned, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was terrible. It was either the next day he got banned or the next day he lost his appeal. I feel like it was he got banned. It must have been in February. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it was like, wow. Uh, but that's a whole other subject. We won't go there. But this one was, um, yeah, yeah, it, it was good. And I think it laid out quite a lot of the stuff behind the scenes 
um, about the club and and about his role there with with Rob McKenzie, Frederick Leth, and how it interacts with Scott Munn above, how it interacts with Postacoglu, and I guess Daniel Levy as well. So um, this is all we ask for communication. You know, we don't get a lot of it from the powers that be, uh, and I don't think we'll get a lot more because of the kind of quiet person, unassuming person he seems to be, the Dane. But just even these little insights um, help us out a lot, I think, in understanding things that we might not have known about. Yeah, I found the loan stuff really interesting in terms of yeah. monitoring uh, yeah. the players. I'll read the bit of what he said. It's We're monitoring them every week, and when you're building that infrastructure of a club, it's so important that they are being monitored on a weekly basis with us going to live games and getting all the information from training data, game data each week. So they're not here physically at the moment, but they're very much part of the club and in our minds and work every day. Yeah, I found that really interesting, especially the training data bit. So I yes. wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they are going to get all the game data stuff from the respective clubs where the players are out on loan and they're going to be going to watch in the games because there's going to be a decisions to make next summer uh, over a number of them. But yeah, the training data one... Uh, surprised me really i didn't expect clubs to be uh getting that information so just shows got to be uh performing in training as well because uh all eyes from spurs are on these players absolutely yeah i know andy scolding goes to watch them um uh he came in from rangers didn't he a couple of years ago i know he's one that tries to get out to a fair few games to watch them he certainly had been in the netherlands recently watching troy parrot um, but yeah, the thought that in training, if they even like slacken off for one day, that gets back to Spurs. It is proper like Big Brother watching you. Um, I like that though, because I think yeah. we've seen a couple of loans where it hasn't worked out for the player, and, and maybe their attitude or uh, you know uh, application has been questioned. Um, and I think that's quite interesting. That gets straight back to Spurs. So yeah, yeah, good thing. Yeah, uh, someone else he mentioned, obviously Lucas Bergvall, talking about his moves to the club and just giving a bit of an insight really into what he can offer uh, on the pitch and just what he's like off the pitch as well. This is a really, really mature young lad for someone who's just turned 18 and you got a bit more of an insight into him uh, this week, speaking with uh, one of the coaches who's had an influential role really uh, on his career so far. And I had a great chat with a chap called Peter Kisfaludi, who I don't know if I've probably really insulted him with the pronunciation of his name there, but he's worked with young Lucas Bergvall. I say young because he's only 18, just turned 18, but he's worked with him since he was nine. Um, he worked with him um, within the academy at Pro uh, Broma Poikana. Um, again, I've probably killed that one. But uh, worked with them in their academy. They've got just this incredible academy. I think we spoke about it in a previous pod that's produced so many talented young players. Dejan Kulusevski, one of them, before he, he went off to um, Atalanta. Um, and yeah, he worked with, um, with Lucas there. And then when uh, Peter went across to Jurgard and become their, like a, uh, it's kind of like an academy director role where he deals with as he was telling me, 50% of his time is dealt with the academy and 50% of the time uh, with the first team. He's like that link between the two. Um, and as soon as he moved there about 18 months ago, he could see because Bergvall had been on loan twice at United, twice at Bayern Munich, so not loan, uh, trials, twice at Bayern Munich, twice at Man U, 
He'd been to Juventus on trial as well, but obviously none of them could sign him till he was 18. So as soon as he moved to Jurgen and Peter was like, uh, hello, we have to sign this young player because we're going to get some decent money for him. Um, so that's what they did because obviously Swedish clubs are allowed to take them before they're 18. So he took them at him across there and kept working with him. Obviously got a great relationship with him and the family. And wow, just the way he talks about Lucas Bergvall, it's just like he's worked with so many tangible players. He worked obviously with Kudusevsky as well in the past. And he said, like, I love Kudusevsky, but Lucas is going to be better. He's going to be just incredible. Um, and when I asked him kind of the differences between the two, he was like, well, Decky's got the strength, ridiculous strength allied with incredible skill. But Lucas has got that technique. He said he's like five out of five, five out of five stars technique. He said he will do things that the crowd will like just probably swear at. I won't use the word he used, but he's just like, what a player kind of thing. But he's also got a little bit of pace about him that maybe Decky hasn't got. So he's got that little extra bit. And in his own words, he said, he looks like David Beckham at that age as well. So he's going to be a favourite with the girls, 100%. Um, you know, maybe favourite with the boys as well. But um, he says he can just do that extra special thing. Um, and the crowd are going to love him. And yeah, we, we spoke for a good, probably more than half an hour. Um, it was fascinating. Not only just on kind of explaining to me what that academy life was like there in Sweden and, and how big the uh, the uh, Bromo every time I say it, such a long word Bromo Poikana I think the J in it is is pronounced more like a Y someone told me so Bromo Poikana their academy they have like four thousand people or players within it and they pick like eight for each age group out of those 4,000. So you can just imagine the competition and everyone from across Sweden comes pretty much to this academy because it's the best. Um, and that was where, but Lucas Bergvall was one of their best players. They would like go out on these tournaments in like Madrid, <clears throat> um, Italy as well. And, and Lucas would be, even when he's like nine, 10 years old, would be the player everyone was watching and talking about. And it just shows you, he's kind of been this wonder kid in the making for a while. And he told me about his family. His mum, Marlin, played for Jurgarden's ladies' first team. His father, Andreas, played at a high level. I think he might have a sister as well, but in terms of brothers, he's the middle of three brothers. You've got uh, Theo, or Theo, I think it is, a fullback who's two years older, and he plays in Jurgarden's first team with Lucas. And then there's a younger brother called Rasmus, who's a central defender. He's two years younger than Lucas, and he's going to be playing for Sweden's youth international group in a couple of weeks' time. It's like the most ridiculously talented family. Um, and I think there's a sister. Whether she plays football, I'm not sure Peter didn't mention, but she may well do as well. Um, and yeah, he's just going to be a ridiculously good player. Um, and he was telling me a little bit about the choice he had between Spurs and Barcelona. He absolutely rubbished uh, Laporta's claim that, you know, there was extra money involved from Spurs. He was like, that's just not true. That's not how Lucas or his family would ever make decisions. He said they're a really grounded family that made the decision just purely because he really liked what he saw at Spurs. Uh, he loves the Premier League. It's been always his dream to come to the Premier League. He said even before he left on the flight to go to London, he said to Peter, apparently Lucas, he said, you know, you know, it's my dream to go to the Premier League. So he's like, it was like a feeling that he was living his dream. And he also said there's a, there's a, maybe not enough has been made of the fact that when he went to Barcelona, uh, Peter said that Deco was fantastic with him. But the problem was they had all the Xavi stuff going on. And Xavi knowing he's not going to be there and the uncertainty of what next season will bring. And obviously 
Barcelona, Laporta even said it, they they kind of offered him a role in Barcelona Athletic, not, you know, which is the second team that plays in the third tier of Spanish football. So not immediate first team football. Whereas he said he spoke to Ange and Ange immediately just said, you know, I love young tangent players. You know, you as you come here, you work hard, you'll get into my team. And it's like to hear that, it's exactly what you want to hear as an 18-year-old. Uh, and also just little things like as soon as he had signed his contract, Sonny sent him a text or a WhatsApp from the Asian Cup saying, welcome to Tottenham Hotspur. It's like the little things to think of doing that when you're away. Um, and Decky had a chat with him as well, 10 or 15 minutes or so on the training ground when he came and he was thinking about things. You know, Agent Decky in there telling him how brilliant Spurs are. And, and obviously, when you've got probably one of Sweden's biggest players right now telling you, no, 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 come here, mate. It's fantastic. And like, I'll look after you as well. It's fantastic. So no, it was, it was a really fascinating in, uh, insight into him. Um, and they're out in Gran Canaria at the moment. I'm not sure when they finish doing that. It's a training camp before this Swedish season begins. And Peter went and picked up Lucas Bergvall from the airport after he'd been in London. And he, uh, he kind of got in the car with him. Obviously, he's buzzing from coming from the uh, everything, doing his signing. And I think they had the next day just looked around London before flying on, flying back. And he went on to Gran Canaria. And as soon as he got in the car, Lucas Bergvall, he said, "So can we go and train now?" And he's like, "You know, but it's late. It's, you've, had, you've had a day. You've been travelling. You've come back from London. It's fine. It's fine." He's like, "No, no, no. I want to train. Can we just train for an hour?" So he took him out, did a training session with him for just him and like a 1v1 for an hour because all the other team were already inside from their days worth of training. And and he kept trying to get him off the pitch. He was like, we've done the hour. He's like, just another 15 minutes, another 15 minutes. And eventually he's like, look, we've got to go and eat with the team. It's like, we, we've kind of, <laughs> we're going to miss the dinner slot that we've got. And he said, but that is Lucas Bergvall. That is why Postacoglu will love him because as well as the fact that he's just a really nice kid, really well brought up kid, he loves to train, a bit like Decky in that aspect. He loves the the whole education process, the whole bettering himself process. So he's going to get into these training sessions and he's just going to smash it from the moment he kind of gets in there because he's going to listen and learn. He did say it's going to take him a little while to adapt. He said even the move from uh, Broma Poikana to Jurgarden, he said it was a little bit faster tempo at Jurgarden. He said it took him about three to four weeks to adjust to it. So he said the step to the Premier League, it's going to take him a while. He reckoned about six months, he thinks. He thinks six months maybe he'll really start to get into the flow of it. And then he said, but by 18 months, two years' time, he thinks he's going to be like one of the stars of the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, it was a really insightful interview. Like I said, go to the London website. Um, it's on there. Or look at my Twitter feed. And it'll scroll down a bit. It'll take you to it. Um, it's like a, a nice kind of long feature. When I say nice, it's not because I've written it beautifully or anything like that. <laughs> it's because I've pretty much just let him tell the story. Uh, and he said so much interesting stuff about Lucas, far more than I've even remembered to talk about there, um, including how they're going to prepare him for his move to Spurs, how they're going to work with him to be ready for the Premier League as much as they can. Because he's got like, three to four months of a Swedish season to play before he even gets there. I just hope they give him a little bit of a rest before he arrives. Um, and yeah, no, it's just fascinating. This kid is going to be, as long as he can steer clear of injury and keep working hard, he's going to be a star. He really is. I think like Johan Lang said in terms of Dragosin about patience, I think yeah. there's going to have to be patience with Lucas. You've got to remember, 18-year-old kid. After all, Dragosin's five years older, but looks to have all the skills, attributes to be a big, big hit for Tottenham in the future. And 
at the moment, as you say, he's still with Joe Garden. He'll join Spurs July the 1st. Uh, at the moment, Joe Garden, they're playing some friendly games. Uh, played one in Gran Canaria on Tuesday against Mialbi. Lost 1-0. What was interesting that uh, Lucas Bergwald played in a different position. Wasn't in his usual central midfield role. Was playing on the right of a front three. Uh, believe still had big impacts in the game, according to the match report on Joe Garden's website. Went close to opening the scoring, uh, was having an impact in the final third and then subbed off after 45 minutes. And as it's always the case in friendlies, it's just giving minutes here and there to everyone else. And Joe Garden have a friendly on Saturday, I believe, against Viking FK, the Norwegian team. And I think there's a few more games on the agenda, one in the Swedish Cup, as well, uh, the Al Svenskan starts in the March. I think Joe Garden's first game is April the 1st. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's a number of games for him before he joins us. And you've also got to factor in maybe uh, the international games uh, in March as well, if he's going to be included in that Sweden squad. And especially with them not qualifying for this year's Euros, you think probably are going to be bringing a few of the younger players through as look to build the squad for the future and qualify for the World Cup in 2026. I think might have Portugal in March and then there'll be a couple more at the start of June because there'll be a few more friendlies, especially for those who are taking part in the Euros. They'll want to be uh, getting some last-minute preparations in. So, yeah, as well as games at club level, I'm sure there'll be some international level for the player. Absolutely, yeah. And I forgot to say, he, Peter also said that he had um, a little kind of a knee injury at the start of last summer that needed needed something just to clear it out or, or fix the issue. So he was out for about five or six weeks early last season. Um, and he said just after he kind of, they, they brought him gradually back into the team. But then when he got back in, he said he was just fantastic. He was just for, because he was only 17 as well as that point. Um, and he thinks that he'll be starting regularly this season now for them. He, he's kind of reached that stage where he's ready to do that. And I actually asked him a little bit about his style. I'll read this out because he also explained who he thinks he's a little bit like. He said his best position is a number eight. Uh, he's a box-to-box player running into the box, and he's really good at playing the ball between the lines. He's a little copy of Frankie de Jong. He's really fast with the ball, really good with the ball, and a fantastic dribbler. So, yeah, it's very exciting. As we said before, I still don't know what it means for Alfie Devine. I do feel like there's a little bit of a... You've got two young players in pretty much a very similar position there. Um, There's no reason in the future why they can't be playing together, of course, but I just wonder at this point in time whether Postacoglu has both of them at the same time as young players in the squad. Uh, It may be that Devine is ahead of him in the pecking order and, and, and Bergvall has to kind of work on that and get in there, or... Maybe Alfie goes back out on another season-long loan to maybe a Premier League club next time if he has a really terrific end of the season to Plymouth. But uh, pre-season is going to be interesting. I'm really intrigued to see how the two of them kind of have a little bit of a competition going, um, which is good. That's what you need at all levels. Yeah, exactly. Right, we're halfway through the pod. Ali, do I let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Of course, of course. If you're not aware by now, because, you know, they've been on board for us for a while now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. And you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is, of course, the fastest VPN in the world. And that means there's no buffering, there's no lagging. You can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Something I've done for many years before they came on board. 
got another little quick break coming up to celebrate a wedding anniversary i'm going to try and use nord on that as well to uh only a very short break i should add uh but to see if i can watch any shows from back home for that um and not only that but the outline of nord vpn subscription is cheap if you're in the long run and that's because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate so for example you could maybe book a flight from another country because it could be cheaper if you're booking it from that country rather than booking it from the uk because you can just set your device to thinking it's in another country and to be honest we've actually had quite a few people messages to let us know that they've taken up this offer or used it and it's been done exactly kind of what we what it says on the tin, what we've said it's done. So that's always really nice to hear. Um, and, you know, there's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN as well. So, you know, why not give it a go? And to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support ad podcast in doing so. Because every time you click that link, it helps us out and, and shows that kind of we're – contributing towards nord who obviously uh, a sponsor this podcast so it's a it's a lovely circle where everyone helps each other um and uh, yeah if you didn't catch the the url of that to, to put into your um your website um, address box the link is in the episode description box yep right there is a game for tottenham on saturday brighton and hove albion in the premier league spurs set to be boosted by uh, a couple of players returning to the match squad i mean it seems like absolutely ages ago that Ange has had a fully fit squad available but it seems like you know spurs are getting very close to it at the moment uh Two who have returned this week, Son Hyung Min, he was back at Hotspur Way on Thursday following South Korea's Asian Cup exit in the semi-finals against Jordan. And then Yves Basuma has also returned. I think the players have probably maybe enjoyed the peace and quiet at Hotspur Way without Eves <laughs> there over the past few days. James Madison on his Instagram stories yesterday uploaded uh, a video from Spurs' changing room, uh, music absolutely pumping, Eve's dancing, and I think he basically captioned it. He's only been back two minutes. Uh, so I think Working he, at the end of it, Basuma, as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. crazy, he's dancing. Yeah, so I think he's probably making up for lost time, having had just over a month away from Hotspur away, but certainly good to have the both of them back, and, you know, what a selection headache for Ange to have. Yeah, and, and they're both big characters, you know, to have both of them back. I do think it lifts the mood as well. They're both naturally quite happy people around the camp. Uh, obviously, Sonny's had a, a difficult few days. There's no getting away from that, you know, crashing out in the semifinals to Jordan with South Korea, and they were terrible in that game, South Korea. I don't think you think they had a shot on goal or on target. Um, I had to, I say I had to, for you know, for work, I watched the Jurgen Klinsmann did a little kind of almost like impromptu press conference at the airport when he landed back from the competition in, in South Korea. I presume it was Seoul he was in. Um, oh, I say uncomfortable because he was just like, obviously he can't understand. The questions were coming in Korean from the uh, the reporters assembled and he's just kind of smiling and all this. And like, and we know what's going on. The speculation and, and a lot of the fan kind of anger is that they want him to resign. You know, they're really unhappy with that tournament. Which is, he was even asked this, you know, they actually, I think they, they went out maybe in the quarterfinals before, I can't remember. And there was less disappointment than them going out now at this later stage. 
just because of the way they played in the tournament. You know, they had a lot of scraping through games with dramatic ends or extra time goals. And and Sonny, I think Sonny got three goals and assist. He was like trying to drag the team through. There's a lot of kind of dissatisfaction towards Klinsman and the way they play. For his part, Klinsman said, you know, we had a lot of young players that we had to kind of integrate and develop as well, which will help us for the World Cup. But yeah, just watching this press conference, as he's like smiling away, listening to words that he can't understand. And then when it's translated to him in his ear, it's essentially like, pretty much to paraphrase massively, you're a bit rubbish. <laughs> Everyone wants you to go kind of thing. Not quite that, that, you know, I'm exaggerating slightly, but it was all along the lines of his future. And he was asked about Sonny's future as well, because Sonny did an Instagram post. Honestly, he's such an emotional guy. He feels stuff so much. And you could see how much, how much pain he was in because of the, the exit. And, and if you haven't seen Sonny's Instagram post, it said many people were looking forward to holding the Asian Cup tournament and focusing only on the whole game. So there was too much appreciation. It was scary and sad to walk back to London after the match, but we arrived safely. I hope he didn't walk back from London. I think that might be lost in translation. Um, it'll be knackered. Um, he said, I guess it was I wasn't good enough as captain and didn't lead the team well. I was so proud of being a Korean football player because of your love and support. Even in this situation, thank you. And I am sorry. It's like so sad. And a lot of people kind of pointed out the past tense of some of the words. Like, I was so proud of being a Korean football player. And you kind of like people wondering, like, is he going to retire from international football and things like that? I think he was probably just talking about that tournament. But yeah, Klinsman has pretty much came out and said, no, no, I, I had like a text exchange with him. Uh, he's just, it's even more emotional for him uh, to take it all in and, and uh, he said he's got no doubt he comes back in March. Is there another international round of fixtures in March? Yeah, I first first ones oh. of uh, the year. Obviously, we've had the two international tournaments, but European teams haven't played yet. So, yeah, March. No, <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, and he said he'll he'll be with them in the World Cup um, in America as well. And well, I think they presumably they've got to get there first, but. Uh, yeah, and he also weird. I think not weirdly, but he was asked about whether you know he feels he can at least get his trophies with Tottenham if he can't do it with South Korea. Um, and he was like, uh, he said, "No, I, I hope he can get some at Spurs. It is doable, uh, but he will be there for us in the future." Um, yeah, so a tough week for Sonny, but probably the perfect antidote is just to come straight back and play football, uh, be among a group. I sort of was like, I don't know, if it was the first time they'd met or not. But like when um, there was a little clip Spurs put out of Sonny kind of coming into the gym and Pat Matasar coming up and just giving him this like a real kind of it's okay hug. It was like really nice. And it was such a shame because Romero was coming across as well. It looked like Romero was either going to do one of two things, give him a hug or put him in a headlock. <laughs> you never know with Romero which it's going to be. And unfortunately, they cut away. I was really interested to see kind of how he took to him as well because obviously there's a lot of affection between those two players. It did um, look like he was swinging his arm. That's why he looked, yeah. and then they just cut it. But I don't know if that was Cesar or Son. But yeah, it's uh, a shame that was only a five-second clip. Yeah, you'd imagine the fact it was cut means that he probably did like slap them in the back of the head or something very Romero-like as a show of affection. Um, you could just imagine him as a kid be the guy that like punched people on the shoulder, <laughs> like to say, "Hey!" It was like a loving thing, and everyone hated getting the dead arm from it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's good for Sonny to come back to that. We'll see how fresh he is, um, because obviously he played Tuesday night, didn't come back to training until yesterday, Thursday. Um, so it's a tight turnaround, but 
I don't know if you put Sonny on the bench to have your captain back. And I, I would imagine he'd have to be absolutely knackered to not go straight back into that team. Basuma is a little bit different. Obviously, we know from his the Mali coach that he had uh, malaria um, out there. Although I'm told from from people who have had malaria that um, the more times you have it, the better your body copes with it. Um, and certainly judging by his dancing and also the fact that he was involved in training, we've seen the videos of that. Uh, and he would have got back a bit earlier. When was the Mali game? Say uh, it, it was the last weekend, week, wasn't it? Last week, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So he's had longer to kind of adjust. I don't know whether he'll start purely because everyone else is that bit fitter in the midfield. Um, but he'll be a big addition when he comes back in as well. Not least just to be that screen in front of a defence that's, that's conceding too many goals at the moment. But uh, is this, I was thinking about it, is this the most players Postacolo's had to pick from? I think early weeks of the season he had a fair few, but he didn't have Bentoncourt. I think it's, I mean, we've seen Cess in doing gym work. I don't know whether he was in that video of them training. Lacelso was out there training, and, and I think he won his. Oh, no, I think he was one of the ones that posed in the back as if he had won the game, but he hadn't. They love doing that, don't they? Pat Matsar's like a real big one for pretending in photos he's won. Emerson I think as it, well. And Emerson, Emerson. I think it might just be Mana Solomon that I didn't spot in any form of stuff, but surely, I mean, he'd be doing gym work as well. I mean, we'll get an update in about two hours time when I get to the training ground. Yeah, I think it is literally just Solomon and Sessignon now because Lacelso was back on the training pitch and probably looking at opening weeks of the season, uh, really, because uh, then that's when the injuries really started to happen from maybe Perisic onwards in September, all started to go downhill and, you know, go back a few weeks ago, Spurs were probably missing seven, eight, maybe even more players through the injury suspensions and then the international tournaments as well. So to have near enough a fully fit squad at this time of the season, it's only a good thing uh, for Spurs. And, you know, if they can get on a bit of a good run between now and the international break, then when you're getting into the business end of the season, start of April, Fingers crossed the squad will stay fully fit, but you know Spurs has looked so far this season, there probably will be another injury or two around the corner. Didn't that early bird well? And for Spurs to have three successive home games, that's something you very rarely see in the Premier League. You might get two at the most. Uh, so for free, it's an opportunity there to put a good run together and you know get motoring ahead of those Aston Villa and Fulham away games and it's uh one of these it will it will be uh tough for them especially against Brighton uh against Wolves and Palace as well but that's what you want home games I think all in all they have been really good at home this season it's just those defeats against Chelsea Villa and West Ham when all the injuries and suspensions happened if they didn't happen, then I think you'd be looking at a different story altogether. I think it's 1-8, lost three from 11 at home. So they have been really, really good at home on the range. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good little period for them to get some momentum into their game. Because this is the thing, I think some people may be slightly overreacting to the Everton draw um, because it felt like a defeat. But actually, you know, they haven't lost a lot of games this season. <laughs> they really haven't. Um, I mean, in Premier League alone, they've only lost five out of 23. <laughs> it's like, everyone's kind of acting as if the world has suddenly crumbled around Spurs. 
Um, it's like no, they just they drew a game, and yeah, I get I get the obviously they're out of both cups. I can understand the frustration that comes with that. But certainly in the league, they're in a real prime spot to kind of attack now um, with these three games in a row at home, especially and a full squad. I mean, we said it last week. It's like the first couple of times that Madison and Benzema have ever played together. He's like finally getting these little kind of scenarios where players are are appearing and, and he's getting systems that he can use um, and yeah, little link-ups on the pitch that he's not even seen before and really good problems rather than the bad problems. I mean, there's going to be a lot of kind of debate with us and fans about who should be playing and who shouldn't. I mean, even just like with Sonny coming in, you know, who plays in the front three? That's like Timo Werner's done well. Obviously, last game, he and Brennan Johnson both weren't particularly great. Um, Kuliszewski wasn't particularly great. So you've got Sonny coming. I mean, what front three would you go for? I think I know because I think we both picked the same one. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. Uh, yeah. I think Son starts for me. I know Sal was on the bench last week and I'm pretty sure Angela Sonny, if he's in, you know, the right space in terms of his fitness and that, having just returned to the start and I think everyone knows what the answer will be. So Son will be cool. starting, uh, Richarlison and Dane Kulisewski and, Maybe it's had harsh on Timo Werner, who I think's done uh, well in his short time at the club. But I think that's, you know, the preferred front three, let's say. Yeah, well, I think it's it's just got a, a mix of things, isn't it? Yeah. And, and different kind of attributes. And to have Werner and Johnson to come off the bench, you know, it's just uh, the pace that you suddenly inject into a game on both flanks. Um, I think it'll benefit them both. I think we've seen it with Johnson, you know, um, coming off the bench, he's done well as well, and uh, and Werner will be kind of wanting to prove that he should be starting because, you know, you would imagine Kulusevski is the one that probably has got the biggest fight at the moment. But even Richarlison, Richarlison being great form, but the moment he stops scoring, he knows that there's the option to put Sonny through the middle, and one of these guys comes in suddenly on the wing instead. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just options, and it's looking at the bench and having game changes. He hasn't been able to do that. Um, now he can look at a bench and see a load of attacking. There'll be players that don't get in the matchday squad. And I know what'll happen. As soon as the team's announced, you or I will get people tweeting, what's happened to player X or player Y? Why are they not in the squad? What's happened? Are they injured? And it'll be like, no, because this isn't now suddenly a load of players. There's too many for this squad to actually fit into a matchday squad. The likes of Jamie Donnelly, unfortunately, might now not get in a squad again for a little while. Um, you know, You've got so many attacking players, and you've got Werner Johnson, um, uh, his name's got Brian Hill uh, as well. You've got Manor Solomon to come back as well. Even there alone, you've got four attacking players that are suddenly going to have to be fitted in or not. Um, so, yeah, Jamie Donnelly, I think, will probably go back to being for, training with the first team and working with the, uh, sorry, and playing for the under 21s. Uh, who would you have in midfield? What's your three? Uh, Madison starts. Pat Matasan needs to come in. Yeah, I think absolutely. Spurs have missed him so, so much. I think he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Then I think it'd be Rodrigo Bensonker. Uh, I'd like to see Basuma back in, but given his bit part role at AFCON for Mali, I think Spurs just need to assess his fitness for now and maybe just ease him back into it off the bench. But if Basuma was fully fit, then maybe... I'd start him because I think Bentica probably could benefit from a bit of a rest, like Johnson did uh, in the Brentford game, just having that opportunity to see the game from the bench or so. Uh, but yeah, I think that'd be my midfield three. 
Costa Cogli was saying that he wants to see his kind of plan was to see Basuma and Benzinker at some yeah. point together. I'm intrigued to see how that works and who misses out. You'd imagine it'd be Saar, but like you say, Saar's become so integral now with his energy and and his kind of direct play, um, especially down that right. So yeah, yeah. Again, good problems to have. Yeah. Uh, Defence then just picks itself. It's a simple decision. I, think I just so, think yeah. the big, you know, calls are in midfield and attack. Uh, but obviously, Angel will be speaking at his press conference at Hotspurway from 1pm. You're heading off to it. I think one of the big talking points is going to be about the possible uh, inclusion of a blue card in the future. Oh. Sinbinins. Oh. I think we all know what Angel say. <laughs> Your thoughts on that then? Oh, honestly, I know it's about sin bins, but put it in the bin. That is, it's just horrendous. I should, we should stress that at the moment, it's very much a, a trial idea that's going to go into some kind of lower levels of football. I think it already has been trialed in some lower leagues. Um, it's not going to be like in the top flight anytime soon. And uh, in the UEFA head, vehemently objects to it. He hates the idea of it. Um, and yes, I'm pretty sure if Postacoglu is asked about it, he'll hate it as well. Yeah, the idea is essentially in certain situations where there's dissent or a cynical foul, a bit like kind of ice hockey, I guess. You get a blue card and you're sin bin for like 10 minutes. It's the most unnecessary, rubbish thing to bring into the game possible. It is, I'm sorry, but we talk about meddling in the game and changing it for the sake of it. That is right up there. That is justifying like these working groups where we've just got to come up with ideas. You can just imagine them all sitting in a room going, okay, what are we going to come up with today? I've got it. I've got it. Let's copy ice hockey and have sin bins. It's like, no, just no. You know, they've already done so many daft things that are prolonging the games, changing the games, making them different. You know, VAR is a complete mess half of the time. Um, just don't muck around with it even more you shouldn't get in a situation where you've got 10 against 11 for 10 minutes i'm sorry but that's just ridiculous um and yeah and and all of these things are kind of liable to people being able to compromise them slightly so there will be people trying to get other players into the sin bin and there'll be probably even more play acting to try and make that happen um yeah just no just just leave it alone as Postacoglu keeps saying, football wasn't particularly broken. It didn't need to be fixed. Just let it be. Yeah, I agree. Just leave it as it is. Because, uh, you know, with some of the refereeing decisions, you're going to be getting challenges that are worthy of a red card and we'll give him a sin bin for 10 minutes and stuff like that. There's just going to be so many talking points uh, of the decisions. Just just leave it. There's nothing wrong with it. The only thing wrong with the game at the moment is VAR, and hopefully there'll be changes to that in the future. Uh, but What you're saying is the only thing that's wrong with the game is something that was brought in to fix the game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things pan out in the future, but I'm pretty sure what Ange will be saying at his uh, pre-match press conference when he's asked uh, at one o'clock today. So, that's it for today's latest episode of Golden Guests Hot Tottenham. We'll be back next week with another episode to reflect on the game against Brighton and then also look ahead to next Saturday's Premier League clash against Wolves. As ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash guest. There's no risk with Nod's 40-day mini-back guarantee and you'll help support our podcast. The link is in the episode description box.